The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, Episode 8. We're back at The Place, 5236 Main Street, Downers Grove. That's The Place, if you're not familiar with it. It is uh, a phenomenal cigar lounge, as I mentioned before, 5236 Main Street, Downers Grove, Illinois. You are here on the podcast, Cigars and Sports Chicago. This is The Place. If you want to get your Chicago sports and if you want to talk about cigars, setting the scene, we're just sitting here in the back in the cigar lounge. We're smoking a cigar. I am smoking an Oliva Series G Churchill box pressed, medium body, tasty draw. Just love that thing. Before I get into tonight's agenda, I would like to bring in my co-host, Phil Sullivan. And by the way, something I wanted to mention about Phil is my East Coast friends who have been listening to this award-winning podcast have been saying that you sound a lot like the uh, super fan guys on uh, on SNL. So, Phil, what's going on? What are you smoking? Well, you know, I, uh, I, by the way, I do take that as a compliment, being from my South Side roots. So maybe that's about what that skit was all about to begin with. I'm enjoying a nice Romeo and Julieta Bully Cigar. It was actually the cigar that I started with when I first started smoking. I smoked it for years. Great price point, great medium blend cigar. Back during Prohibition, obviously? Back, was that during, back Prohibition? during Prohibition? that's correct. But yeah, great cigar. I decided to give it a go again. It's as good as it was before. I kind of wandered away from it because they tended to start getting a little moist. They're very, very moist. Actually, I would leave them out of my humidor for a good 30 days before I would smoke them. And then they seemed to be just right. But uh, that's why I'm giving it a go today. And it's as good as I remember it. Here's what we're going to talk about tonight. We've got the Bears, of course. We're going to go over the GM and coach search, talk a little bit about the candidates. We're going to get an idea of who our top selections are. We'll have a little breaking news related to that. We've got a great cigar interview tonight with Brian McGuire of Oliva Cigars. So Brian will be with us in a couple of minutes. Then we are going to pivot back to the NFL, where we're going to very quickly go over our wildcard round bets and how we did, and we will also give our picks for the up-and-coming divisional round this weekend, which should be really exciting. And then we'll give a quick update on the team that you have become a complete hater for, uh, the Chicago Bulls. They're playing the Cavs here tonight in a couple of hours, and uh, then they've got a back-to-back tomorrow night playing uh, Milwaukee on the road, which I will be at that game. So pretty excited about that. Um, you've Because they've lost a couple games, you've now decided you hate them, but We'll get into that a little bit, so I'm not even going to give you a chance to defend yourself. But as we normally do, let's just kick it off with a uh, quick baseball update, or when I say quick, as long as it takes. First of all, let's do a review of our last two weeks of updates in Major League Baseball. I want to give the brief baseball update. Okay, get ready. Here's the baseball update. Okay, it's over. Here is your Cigars and Sports Chicago Major League Baseball update. Okay, that's all that's going on in baseball. We're all done with that. So here comes week three, and there is a lockout in MLB, which is why there is virtually nothing going on. It's pissing me off. I don't know what the hell these guys are doing. They need to get back to the table, get this thing solved. Spring training is scheduled to start in a couple of weeks, and it is not looking good for it starting anytime in early February, but I guess we'll have to see how it goes. But here we get a couple of things this week. A Chicago White Sox signed Oscar Colas, who is known as the Cuban Otani, although he's not pitching anymore, so I'm not sure why you'd necessarily call him the Cuban Otani. He was actually a minor leaguer in Japan last year. He's supposed to be good, 23 years old, power-hitting right fielder. We'll see how he is. By the way, related to the lockout, the owners made the first proposal in quite a while, the end of last week. And Phil, what do you think that the player's response was to that uh, uh, proposal? They told the owners to go back to where they started from. That's correct. They hated it. And then today, exciting news, former White Sox great shortstop from the 05 World Series, Juan Uribe, whose son is a uh, 
top international free agent. Juan Uribe said he wants his son to sign with the White Sox because Uribe says that was the best place he ever played. So you know what? That's it for baseball. Baseball right now because the lockout deserves no more of our time. Let's get into this Bears coach and GM search. First of all, breaking news, Colts assistant GM Ed Dodds, who I know was one of both of our top picks, he is now out and he has actually asked to be taken out of consideration. So um, he's one of the most attractive candidates out there and he must really love the Chicago Bears organization because he no longer wants to be considered for the job. I think that would indicate that he has other better options. I guess, you know, we'll hear from him why it is. And by the way, unlike yourself, Phil, I'm not willing to say this is going to be a disaster until they actually go and hire the wrong people because they might get lucky. But let's take a look at the candidates. So let's go through the coaching candidates and the GM candidates. And here's the way we'd like to do this if we could. And we're going to go to you first, Phil. Give us your top three coaching candidates. And we're going to do this for both coach and GM. Give us your top three candidates, third, second, and your top pick. And then give us the one guy you don't want no matter what. So let me turn it over to you. Who do you want? Ah, who do I want? I'm going to throw you for a loop here. I would have to say my number one pick, Ryan Dayball, the Bills. No, no, this year you got to start. You got he's the guy that you actually want. He's the guy I want. Brian Dayball, Bills. You're All already times. not following instructions. We said we you said to go to three first. <laughs> Jesus. All right, fine. So Brian Dayball is your number one guy. Why do you want? Well, I, I just liked what he's done. He's done everything well with the Bills. I want an offensive mind in there. I know this is throwing you for a loop. I think he's the best candidate out there, and I think the consensus has shown it a little bit. We're we're picking up shows that this guy. I, he just. I think he just what the Bears need. I think it's what Fields needs. I think it's what their offense needs. Once again, as I said in the past, it's an offensive league, you know, and you need that out there. So there's my number one pick. I'm going to go and reverse end you there. Uh, you know, my number two pick. Of course you are. Number two, Matt Everfloss. Now that goes defensively against what I've said in the past. You know, he's done well with the Colts. He's had a top 10 scoring defense for, I think, three or four seasons. They are a ball-hawking machine, his defenses. You know, I like what they've done. He's, I think he's the right age. I'm getting a little tired of old people, even though I'm one of them. I think bringing in a little youth like that is going to be a tremendous help for the Bears. And then, of course, my long shot, uh, the guy I think that uh, I know you think a ton of is Jim Harbaugh. Bringing him in from Michigan, I just it, not just the old Bears connection, but I just think He's actually done a lot of good things. He's done a lot of good things at the college level. He's done a lot of good things at the pro level. He's an ex-quarterback. I think that would help Fields. So all joking aside, uh, I think Harbaugh would be a pretty strong candidate also. So there you go. One, two, three. Okay, here's the deal, though, on Harbaugh. So I just want to make this clear, and he's not on my list because there's no indication that they are interviewing him. Harbaugh would be my top pick, no question. I mean, the guy, we know what the guy has done. He's won everywhere he's been. And by the way, as an NFL head coach, he was 44-19-1. So the guy wins games. He won at San Jose State. He won at Stanford. He took a, you know, a non-ranked Michigan team to the college football playoffs. Yes, I'm aware they got blown out. So I'm with you on Harbaugh. And actually, I'd probably rank him higher than you, but there's just no indication that they're talking to him. And I wonder, given that there's all these jobs out there, whether he would be smarter to potentially take a different job. So I just want to well, mention that. I, all right, so here's what I got on coaches. Go no, I was going to say that, you know, the negative for Harbaugh, too, at least for the Bears' sake, if they want him, is he is a West Coast guy. And uh, certainly the Raiders are uh, looking for a coach. So I think the draw for Harbaugh could definitely be uh, drifting himself back to the West Coast. So it could be a challenge if that's who the Bears want. Okay, so who's the one guy that you know you definitely do not want? Uh, it's I think it's your buddy, Mr. Flores. I don't want to see Flores here. Uh, I know he's a leading candidate for a lot of teams. Uh, he he does click a few of the things I like. I think he's hard-nosed. I think he's tough. I don't think he tries to go out and be the player's buddies right away like Nagy tried to do because I don't think that works. But I just think he's got, to me, he's got a little bit of a, there's something there, maybe something that we don't even know. I always question why a team gets rid of a successful person, and it certainly seemed like this guy was pulling some pretty good success there in Miami. But, uh, so that makes me wonder why you would get rid of a person like that. Uh, he also had 
a little bit of trouble with some uh, assistant coaches. Uh, I think he went through three or four offensive coordinators. That's always a red flag to me. So that's the one guy I do not want. Okay, here's my three guys. Number three, following my own instructions, Doug Peterson, former uh, Philadelphia Eagles coach. All I know about this guy is he won the Super Bowl. Now, the interesting thing is, do you know, here, quick trivia question, Cigars and Sports Chicago trivia. Do you know the list of coaches who has won Super Bowls in two places as head coach, meaning in more than one place? I do that. It has never been done, which actually worries me a little bit because he won. He already won a Super Bowl. But bottom line is, the guys won a Super Bowl. Offensive coach. He left Philadelphia after having a bad year, and there clearly was some issue between whether Carson Wentz or, or Jalen Hurts were going to be was going to be the starter going forward. So whatever, I'm fine. Number three, Doug Peterson. Number two, even though I just have concerns about him, is your number one guy, the professional eating champion. Brian Dayball. I like the guy. Obviously, you can't argue what he has done with Josh Allen in Buffalo. He's also been an offensive coordinator in three other places. He has some experience with the Patriots, which in my opinion is just always a good thing to see. You can't argue based on his last several performances with that offense in Buffalo. And by the way, we may be feeling differently about this one way or the other after this weekend, but I'm going to just take a leap of faith and go with Brian Dayball as my number two guy. My number one guy is the one guy that you don't want, which is Brian Flores. Here's all you need to know about Brian Flores. Miami Dolphins coach last the last three years. He, over the last nine NFL games, he is the winningest coach in the National Football League. The guy won eight of his last nine. The, you know, the guy really did have an excellent record in Miami. I agree with you. It's simply a fact he had four offensive coordinators in three years, and he's not necessarily an offensive guy. I'd like to ask him, you know, what is the plan for developing Justin Fields? Do you like Justin Fields, first of all, because I don't want to deal with that, and I want Fields here. And I'd also like to know what his plan is for a coordinator. But you know what? I like Brian Flores. He knows how to win. He appears to run a very tight ship. If he doesn't get along with everybody, that's fine with me. I'm in on Brian Flores. So I don't care if you like him or not. Defensive guy, I want him. Okay, here's my number one guy that I don't want. And it's not because I hate him or that he's terrible or you know flipping out or whatever the case may be. He, he's just too boring to me, and he has had, not had enough success as a head coach. That is Leslie Frazier. Yes, I know we like Leslie Frazier. History in the Bears organization. He was the Minnesota Vikings head coach for four years. He made the playoffs his first year and actually had a really good year and then did much more poorly the following three years. By the way, does that sound like anybody that you know? Matt Nagy. I don't want him. He doesn't know anything about offense. Yes, he's leading the number one defense in the NFL. Leslie Frazier. Don't want him. Don't want to have him. Don't want to see him. Don't want to talk to him. Keep him in Buffalo. I wish him well. I wish his family well, but I don't want him. I agree with you on that. As I've said in the past, I want to put the 85 Bears in the past. So anybody has anything to do with the 85 Bears, go bask in your glory somewhere else. Time to fade away. Well, I don't think you want to put them in the past because you bring them up every single time that you want to put them in the past. It tells me that you may have some inner conflict and need some therapy on that issue because I never bring them up. You bring them up all the time. All right. Here's the other thing. So I'm going to cheat. There's also two other guys that I wouldn't be pissed off if they hired him. Nathaniel Hackett. These are my uh, honorable mentions because I'm, you know, I made the game, so I get to say it. So Nathaniel Hackett, who is the offensive coordinator in Green Bay, obviously working with Aaron Rodgers. So hard to say how good he is, but he is really well respected around the league. Evidently a really good guy, really good people guy, teacher, leader. You know, I'm fine with him based on what I've heard. And also Jim Caldwell, who, by the way, was a winning coach with the Detroit Lions. And, you know, that's all you need to know. The guy made the playoffs with the Lions. So I'm not saying that I want him, but I'm just saying if they hired either one of those guys, I would be open-minded to at least giving them the time to fail. So those are our head coaching candidates. I guess we'll see what happens. Hopefully by the next podcast, we'll have an answer on that. Or maybe we will, or maybe we won't. I want to bring up another issue real quick. I have another question, which I think begs a question. Why the hell when the coach is evidently going to report to the general manager. Why 
are they interviewing coaching candidates? Because if you're going to hire a general manager first and that guy's going to run the football operation, then don't you want who the general manager wants? And here, and I'm, I want to get your take on this, but one other thing too. So you might say, well, you know, they're vetting these guys so then they can at least give the general manager the feedback or whatever. No, I don't want the feedback because if the feedback is that the one guy they didn't want under any circumstances is the guy who the general manager likes the best, are you following me? Then I want who the general manager wants because that's what his job is supposed to be. Thoughts? The Bears upper management never ceases to amaze me, but you're right. When McCaskey made the statement that, you know, he's not a football guy, he's a fan, then but he puts himself on the committee to pick the people. It just makes you wonder what he's doing there. But you're right. I think the GM needs to get chosen first. You've got to put the GM in there. The GM's going to report to McCaskey because they're saying Phillips is going to be working on the stadium deal. How that ends up, who knows? But uh, if he's going to be, he's going to be reporting to the guy that admitted he's just a fan. So you got to get a GM to hopefully run the operation and let him pick his coach. You well, got to pick the coach. My concern is that they're then going to force a coach on whoever the new GM is, just like they apparently did when they hired John Fox with Ryan Pace. You know, there's that rumor out there that it wasn't really his decision, but the organization wanted him, and he was a young GM. He went with him. So, I don't know. Let's wait for it to play out. Let's wait for it to fail before we complain about it. But just something to be concerned about. All right, let's go to GM candidates. So, maybe you could follow the rules of the game this time, Phil. Go to, uh, you know, your third, your second, your first, and the guy that you, uh, that all you don't right, want. All right, I'll follow your rules. All right, number three. Number three, I'm going to go with Reggie McKenzie. Reggie McKenzie from the Dolphins. Strong candidate, don't get me wrong. Um, the guy spent a lot of years with the Packers under a Hall of Fame guy with Ron Wolf there. He then went to the Raiders. He was the GM there. He didn't have a lot of success there, though. Actually, I think eventually he got fired from the from the Raiders. So there's my number three pick. What's your thoughts on that, Steve? So Reggie McKenzie, he's my bonus guy because evidently the Bears interviewed him, again, once again, rumors, because he is in Miami where Brian Flores was. And evidently he's the only guy in the organization that Brian Flores gets along with. And that's why they interviewed him. So I would just say this, if you hired Brian Flores as the coach, and I would make this exception in the Brian Flores case. You've got to have somebody who he can work with. And if he feels that his guy is Reggie McKenzie, I'm fine with that. Reggie McKenzie has got decades of experience in the NFL. Um, you know, he's had a good history. I'm fine with him. All right, two. who's your number, number two, two guy? I'm going to go with Ed Dodds. Uh, once again, I think he's not a bad candidate. He wouldn't be a bad... Nope. Oh, oh, breaking news. Oh, he got Ed Dodds has pulled himself out of consideration. Nope. Who do you got? You got to come up with a backup oh boy, now. No, I need a backup for Ed Dodds. Oh, boy. I'll go. Give me a second here. Well, you threw me for a loop on that one. Um, let me go to my number one guy. Would you like me to do that? All right. Yeah, go I'll to go number, to one. number one guy. Uh, my number one guy, I'm going to go with uh, Bill's assistant GM, Joe Schoen. I said that right. Joe, Joe Shane. Shane. Joe Schoen. Shane. Shane. You know, I know the Giants are trying to put a full card press on that guy, so it could get a little competitive to get him. But I like what he's done, at, uh, you know, in, in Buffalo, as we're seeing through the playoffs, as Josh Allen and his boys are doing. Uh, I think they're the golden team right now. Uh, a lot, there's a lot of eyes on them. But uh, I think I like what he's done there. So he's my number one guy. Okay, you forfeited your number two guy. I did. So uh, do you have anybody that you definitely don't but if want? I wanted, by the way, if I wanted to slip somebody into my number two guy, I would probably slip in Ed Wolf. Elliot. Oh, you don't even have his name. Elliot, Elliot Wolf. Wolf. Did I say Ed Wolf? Jesus. Oh, my uh, God. Oh, he'd be the guy I'd slip in there. Ed is his brother. He's a pharmacist, so I don't think you'd want Ed. Ed. But what um, he's, the, all right. he's done with and the then, Patriots. You know, he's obviously, you know, comes from a good family line. So we'll see what he could do if he ever got his chance in there. Son of former uh, former legendary Packers general manager Ron Wolf uh, is Elliot Wolf. Do you have anybody that you don't want for sure? Uh, you know what? I don't want. I don't want Ryan Polis. Ryan, I, I for no particular reason except I don't want anybody from the Kansas City Chiefs because we certainly didn't have any luck with the last one we had from the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm done. I'm done. Totally, totally fair. I'm done with Kansas City Chiefs influence. Breaking news this afternoon is that he's evidently the front runner in Minnesota, so I guess we'll find out. All right, here's my guys. 
Um, my third guy, Rank uh, Carthon, the 49ers director of player personnel. I really like that 49ers organization. They have a hell of a lot of smart people in that in that organization. Um, I, I really like the way they have built that team. Uh, Carthon also does advanced scouting, so that means that he is involved in game planning. Um, really good background. Been around the league for a while. Um, younger guy. Like him. Again, but he's number three on my list. Number two, Monty Ossenfort, Titans Director of Player Personnel. Um, I love the Titans organization. Really like Mike Vrabel. Have no idea how the heck that, uh, you know, that team. Uh, got the first round by was the number one seed um, in the AFC, but I think really highly of that organization. I know this guy is very, very um, highly thought of there, like him. But my number one guy, and I think it's a little bit questionable. And by the way, I just like to say this: admittedly, none of us really know anything about these GM candidates. I mean, it's it's a shot in the dark. I think we have a much better idea on the coaches, or maybe most importantly, we think we have a much better idea. But my number one guy is Rick Smith. Rick Smith, former general manager of the uh, Houston Texans, when they were good, and you know for a while when Kubiak was the coach, and then when Bill O'Brien um, was the coach, and Bill O'Brien actually took over when Rick Smith left in 2019, um, and Bill O'Brien burned the thing down. But the guy who put it together was Rick Smith. Has a history in the Bears organization. He drafted Deshaun Watson. Um, by the way, the same year that the Bears drafted Mitch Trubisky, but he drafted. Deshaun Watson, he drafted J.J. Watt, he drafted uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So I like Rick Smith. He wants the job. Uh, think highly of him. You know, once again, admitting that maybe none of us really know what the best choice is. Um, I'm going with Rick Smith. And then my guy who I know I don't want is, uh, you know, no offense to the Irish, but I do not want Jeff Ireland. He is the assistant general manager in New Orleans. He was the general manager of the Miami Dolphins. He failed. I see no reason to uh, retread him. Um, so I'm going with Rick Smith. The other thing that's interesting, too, and those are my GM picks, it's interesting how coaches seem to get frequently retreaded or recycled but general managers, the guys who are always on the top of the list, tend to be guys who have not had a general manager job before. I don't know why that general general manager job before that. And rarely does a guy get a second chance, where pretty frequently do guys get second chances as coaches. So I don't know why that may be, but just struck me as an interesting point as I was studying well, you for know, this. And comment, one more comment on this. When you look at how many teams this year are looking for coaches and general managers, it begs me to want to look back to just one year ago if the Bears certainly could have pulled the trigger on both those guys they let go last year because it wouldn't have made any difference, is how many other teams, how much competition they would have had for the talent last year. And I don't think it was as big. I think they would have had a much better shot at uh, at, at getting the top talent. And now they got a lot, a lot of competition this year for these guys. Yeah, I agree. All right, so that's coaching and general manager candidates. We are now going to shift gears and talk a little bit of cigars, because this is Cigars in Sports Chicago. We are very excited to welcome to the show Brian McGuire of Oliva Cigars. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Steve, good. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, we uh, we appreciate you coming. So, I guess, you know, why don't we start out, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, you know, what do you do at, at Oliva, how long you've been in the industry, kind of give us your uh, give us your credentials, you know, tell us a little okay. bit about, about Brian McGuire and Oliva Cigars. My short but distinguished list of credentials, I'll give it to you. It's uh, So I started with Oliva, um, it'll be two years in March, I got home from training on the 13th of March, and right in time for the lockdown. So I'm the sales rep for them in, in Illinois. I cover all downstate, all, all around Illinois. Previously to that, I worked with Perdomo Cigars for three years, where I covered eight states. Two kind of similar companies. Uh, Oliva is obviously a lot larger, but they're both vertically integrated, which is nice. And prior to that, I did have a little bit of retail uh, in the cigar industry experience. I uh, managed a store called Casa de Poros in Forest Park for a couple of years before uh, my friend who owned it, Steve Schuler. Um, he wanted to sell it, and the people from Casa Monte Cristo's, Mike and Sam, bought it. Hmm. Um, 
And when he originally opened that, I just, you know, he had asked me, he knew I'd been smoking for more years than I care to tell you, but he was, uh, he's like, you know, a lot of guys, could you come in a couple of nights a week and, you know, just help me out and I'll pay you. And I'm like, yeah, you know, he's a friend of mine. I'm like, yeah, sure. Of course I'll do that. And we, you know, kind of built the business up and then I left there for a while. Um, and then he really wanted to get the business back up to par and sell it. He had a restaurant that him and his wife were involved in too, and they wanted to kind of just move away from that. They're just going, you know, their, their lives were changing. They, they wanted to move in the direction where there wasn't so many distractions. And it, those two stores combined were a big distraction for them. Um, so prior to that, I was a commodity trader since 1990. Wow. So you got a, you, you got a lot of stuff going on and uh, relatively, I, I guess, recent to the cigar business, second career for you. What mm-hmm. makes, what makes Oliva better you know tell me about oliva and by the way i am right now smoking a a sample i got from you by the way today um an oliva series g churchill um mm-hmm. box pressed really like this thing medium bodied um smoking it in the house got to make sure that nobody knows that but you know what <laughs> makes what, what makes oliva uh better tell us about oliva and why their cigars are great so let me preface that by saying we're in a great place right now as far as cigar consumers and cigar industry in general. There's a nice small kind of cigar boon going on here that was kind of created by COVID. Uh, so if there's a silver lining, that's it. Um, so my point, though, is there's a lot of great cigars out there on the market. It's a good time to be a cigar smoker or to get involved in it. Um, Oliva, though, it's, is, is a great company. It dates back. They have Cuban roots that date back to you know 135 years in fact, we just had an anniversary cigar, which I'll touch on in a second. But uh, Oliva is vertically integrated, and uh, we were owned. It was family owned and operated until 2017, when Jay Cortez took over, um, and Fred, who is uh, our owner, is unbelievable. He's he's got a tremendous passion for the industry, and he's put his money where his mouth is as far as Oliva goes. He's he's expanding our warehouse. Uh, in Miami, and he's he's updated our factory in Nicaragua, um, <laughs> which it's above and beyond. I mean, it sounds simple, but like the rollers have padded chairs out there, and and that's unheard of in Nicaragua. You know, he takes care of his people, and uh, the quality comes through. Oliva is a vertically integrated company, which is very important because when you you know they grow their own tobacco, so when you grow your tobacco. You control it, so you get consistency. So let's just take, for example, one of our benchmark cigars, the Series V Milano, which has numerous accolades over the years, a lot of awards, um, including Cigar of the Year in 2014 from Cigar Aficionado. It is um, consistent, and you know as a consumer, Steve, we've all done it. We've all had it. I've had a cigar, and I'll be like, oh, that's fantastic. I go back and try it again six months later, whatever, and it's not the same cigar. And it's very disappointing. Um, So Oliva does have a large uh, operation, but we have, you know, being vertically integrated really helps, um, especially like last year we had, you know, such a supply and demand um, issue. Yeah, so talk about that a little bit about um, supply and demand. I mean, I I think we're all aware that there is this, you know, supply chain issue and that there's some, uh, you know, there's inventory issues. Um, How is uh, your inventory at Oliva and how does that compare to the rest of the industry? Well, you know, I've been fortunate. I've worked for two vertically integrated manufacturers, which is the only way I would really want to work in this industry because our inventory actually has been very good throughout this whole uh, two years coming up on now um, where there's just been such a large demand for cigars and there's been, you know, supply issues and, and distribution issues because of, you know, uh, the shipping and everything that's going on. And that's, you know, in, in numerous industries, it's not just in the cigar industry, but we've been very fortunate with that. Um, our inventory is solid. Um, I would say a lot better than most. Um, and through all of it, like our benchmark cigars, our premiums, you know, we've we've been able to keep up with the demand, and that helps our retailers. I mean, you know, I, I always say to our retailers, you know, we're, we're you're, you're our landlord, we're renting space on your shelves, and I want to pay the rent every month. So when I have empty boxes there, I'm not generating any income for you. And, you know, 
it, it happens. It's a handmade product, so it's not something that you can just, okay, turn up the machines and fire out 100,000 more to, to, you know, make everybody whole. But, um, you know, fortunately, when you're a, a manufacturer and, and like us, you have tobacco that, I mean, we probably have tobacco in, in a casual estimate right now. We're in 2022. We probably have enough tobacco to get us through 2025 right now. And, you know, that's just how you stockpile stuff, you age it properly. You know, you, there's so many stages from A to Z to get the cigar out to the consumer. It's amazing. Um, there's actually over 3,000 touches from the time you start wow. to the time you actually ship the cigars. You mentioned that demand um, seems to be up during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. What are the reasons for that? I mean, I would guess that just people being at home or just remote and not necessarily being in the office, maybe an opportunity to smoke more. I would assume also demand was probably dramatically up in the state of Illinois when the weather was better as well, because when you can smoke outside and your home, that's, you know, quite a combination, but what do you attribute that to? And then I have a very, then I have a uh, COVID and cigars medical question that I'd like to ask you. So what do you attribute the uptick to? Uh, well, I think you hit it spot on. I mean, there's been a lot of idle time for people, and when it's not idle, they're actually working from home. And, you know, I, I see customers in the store. That's really one of the funnest parts of my job is, like, I get to go to the stores, and I get to see my customers' customers and talk with them. And pretty much what I've been, you know, hearing throughout this is we're on a Zoom call. I got three Zoom calls a day. I used to smoke one cigar a night. Now I'm smoking three cigars and maybe four a day. You know, so they're they're – Individual consumption is up. Um, you know, there's been a lot of downtime. There's been a lot of – I'm sure the golf course has all flourished this year, you know, um, in in part of the summer uh, in 2020. Um, and I have – I do have some wholesalers and some retailers who service golf courses. And, you know, in talking to them, I find out that, yes, they are definitely buying more from them than they have in the previous years pre-COVID. Um, so, you know, I think – I think it's a, you know, you get some new smokers coming into the market. Um, you have some guys who probably haven't smoked in a while returning to the market, and then you have the guys who are already currently in the market. Um, you know, they're up in their consumption um, just because of the time. You know. So let me ask you my COVID and cigars medical question. And I, okay. I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking about this. I mean, I kind of am, but all right. So have you found that? People who smoke cigars have been more or less likely to get COVID over the course of the pandemic, meaning that has there been any trend that you've noticed as you've gone in? You said like talking to the customers of your customers and guys who, you know, own and run and work in the in the cigar stores. I mean, have you seen any trend there of whether you think that cigar smokers are getting COVID more or less than the overall population? Because I well, have a theory on this, but I want to hear yours first, and I don't want to—I don't want to poison your opinion first. Well, I will tell you. Um, so when this hit, of course, you know, every different company took it in a different degree of safety, and you know, nobody knew what was going on. So let's go back to March of 2020 when the stores shut down, and our um, management said, "Our main concern is that you guys feel safe." You know. You do what you want to do. Well, I, you know, fortunately I had relationships with my customers here. So I would call them and say, you know, I know you're not open. Are you, you know, are you going to be at the store? And if they were at the store, I'd go out and talk with them and, you know, just kind of brainstorm and, 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 you know, bounce things off each other. There was so much uncertainty. Now, moving forward, the stores open up. Um, Have people in the stores had COVID? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Percentage-wise, minimal. Um, so here's my I, theory. I, here's my theory. Sorry to interrupt you. Here's my theory on this. I believe that somehow cigar smoke kills COVID. It, it has to. Because I will just tell you, the number of guys that we have, you know, sort of our regular 10 to 15 guys that are in, you know, every day or every couple of days or whatever. And obviously during the pandemic being in much more than previously, you know, we watch all games together, do all sorts of stuff together, but we have had so few people get COVID that I now believe that cigar smoke kills COVID. Any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, actually, it's funny. I, I read a, a small, small article recently because, you know, I was it was kind of a, you know, comic relief. We would say that we're like, well, cigar smoking is going to curb COVID. It's going to cure it. We all started talking about that. There was actually a lab that's, you know, a smaller lab, not the size of a Pfizer, Johnson Johnson kind of thing that was doing research on this. And they had found that the bacteria in tobacco plants actually has a bacteria that would, would fight off the COVID virus. And it's, they didn't have enough funding to continue to move forward with it. It was interesting. I read that about three weeks ago. And I, I you know, I gotta, when you look at per capita and the people, and you're right, there's more people going into lounges during that time, you know, especially after it opened up. There was, you know, in, in, they're not social distancing, you know, there's no masks involved when you're smoking. And if you took a percentage of those people, it, it, you know, it's definitely in the lower single digits. It's not even in double digits. And my, my, you know, <laughs> un, uneducated guess on that. And just, you know, I, I guarantee I've been in stores that I've been exposed to it numerous times. So, so here, what we're saying to you here on cigars and sports Chicago is that, yes, we do recommend that you get vaccinated, get boosted, all that kind of thing. But if you really want to be healthy and you want to make sure that you don't get the virus, not even just have lesser symptoms, that you should start smoking cigars immediately and smoke as many as you can. Just walk right around <laughs> the house with your family. Just smoke all day. It'll it'll keep you safe. It'll kill COVID. You heard it here first. You're welcome. Um, you know, despite, uh, you know, horse dewormer, all that kind of stuff, that stuff doesn't work. But cigars, but uh, cigar smoke and cigars it's do specific, work. Yeah, it's specifically Oliva cigars are known to be more potent towards the uh, virus, from what I understand. Exactly so. correct. We've had <laughs> clinical, we have had clinical studies, peer-reviewed studies that show Oliva cigars yeah. kill COVID. Yeah. Well, Brian, if people want to get in touch with you at Oliva Cigars, um, how might that do that? Can they find you? They can follow me on Facebook at Oliva Brian. Real simple. Um, I have numerous followers. Um, you know, I usually post when my events are coming up. I have uh, a couple coming up in the near future. Um, if I could put a plug in, I will. I'll, uh, Love I to do that, yes. I do have one next uh, Thursday at Biggs Mansion downtown. Uh, we've got a really nice uh, – it's a it's like a K-cup for, for alcohol. It's called a Bart- Bartista. Oh, wow. And you put the K-cups in there and you mix everything in and it makes cocktails for you. That's going to be our grand prize raffle there. Uh, we'll have a lot of deals going on and we're starting at uh, 5 o'clock and go to 9 o'clock next Thursday. Um, but again, you can just follow me at, uh, on Facebook at Oliva Brian. And, um, you know, it's, it, again, I, I'm, I'm lucky I get to go out to the stores and I get to meet people like you, Steve, who are in the stores and get to talk to them and, and you know, share our passion. And, um you know, we were talking today off air, and you were saying how you really like the Perfecto size. I do. So, so at the trade show this year, the PCA trade show, <clears throat> which was truncated, they you know they condensed it. Um, the big four manufacturers weren't there, um, but it was a really good show, and we had a special release dating back 135 years to our Cuban roots from Oliva when they started, uh, and it is a Series V Perfecto. And it was a limited release. We had 12,000 boxes with trade show only, and we were sold out like that. I was fortunate enough to be able to smoke a few of them at the trade show. And if you're a fan of the Series V, it is a phenomenal cigar. Um, Numerous retailers have them. A lot of them had them, and they were gone quickly. Um, They're still in the area. Hopefully it'll be an annual release for us or maybe even a main production product because it was just a phenomenal Phenomenal cigar, and it's got the perfecto shape, so it's got the tip at the end, and then it tapers off, so you get that richness right away, and then it changes to just a smooth, you know, delicious cigar all the way through. You, and, and being a perfecto smoker, you'd love it. Yeah, I'd love to get that. And the other thing is too is just doing a little little uh, research here before um, talking to you. It looks like I also might be a liker of the special G, um, which is also very similar to a perfecto shape, maybe a little less tapered, um, but um, that also looks like a shape that I might like. Now that's that's a great cigar. It's a small smaller ring gauge, um, and it comes in a Maduro and the Cameroon. And that's you know you were asking uh, off air today. You know, where do we get all our tobacco? And it, we're mainly out of Nicaragua, but yes, we use other 
regions and other you know country wrappers and we do use real Cameroon wrappers on the Series G and on the Nub, which we do have the Nub line too, we the Nub Cameroon. So when you, and that's a very expensive wrapper. So when you look at that, the price point for the Series Gs are really very competitive. Um, but that Special G is a good one. That's a that's a really tasty cigar. You get the smaller the ring gauge, the more the wrapper comes through. Yeah, so, I love the I love the nub as well. The nub, uh, you know, as we were saying today, but you don't underestimate it. You might think it's a quick <laughs> smoke, but it's the longest quick smoke you've ever had in your life. It's all about ring gauge. So exactly, and and the wrappers are so important. I mean, the wrapper comes from the top part of the plant, so the nutrients is always going up there. So that's where the real richness and flavor comes from. So you know, any true cigar smoker will tell you: the bigger the ring gauge, you know, the less the wrapper taste is in there so you you know obviously you you like a cameroon wrapper you like a medium wrapper some of the cigars you were talking about today and the smaller ring gauge is where you really get the taste of the wrapper you know percentage wise yep. that comes through a lot more and you really get what is what in my opinion intended to be the taste of the cigar makes sense Brian McGuire, Oliva Cigars, we really appreciate you being with us. Uh, as Brian mentioned, you can find him on Facebook at Oliva Brian. I have that right, correct? Correct. Yep. All right, good. So, uh, Brian, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate you being with us on Cigars and Sports Chicago. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you guys around soon. I'll be listening to the podcast. Thank you. So, Phil, let's go back to the NFL. We talked about the Bears, but let's just talk a little bit about the NFL playoffs. Very quickly, looking back at last week, uh, I went four and two. First of all, the games that I lost, unfortunately, were I was dumb enough to take the Steelers and 12 and a half, got smoked there, and I was also dumb enough to take the Patriots plus four, and I lost there. Go with underdogs, and uh, you know you will potentially experience peril. All right, the four games I won, the Rams were a four-point favorite at home. I won that game. I won the Niners as a as a road dog with three and a half there. Very excited about that. I won the Bucks minus nine against the Eagles. That was a blowout, and I also won the Bengals as a home favorite four and a half. So I was four and two. I'll take that. And by the way, I put our picks on Twitter on Friday, which we'll do again this week. By the way, you can follow us on Twitter at Cigars and Sports. That's at Cigars and Sports on Twitter. Um, so, real quick, Phil, I think you were three and zero last week. What did you have uh, yeah, in the wild actually, card round? Uh, three and one. Uh, I made the same mistake you made, only a little bit worse. I only took a road dog. I took the Patriots on the money line, so that made me look even stupider. But uh, oh. yeah, a lot of similar victories. I liked, as I've spoken before, that game a week ago when LA played uh, Frisco. I liked both those teams how they came out of that game. So I went with both of them, and those were both uh, you know good victories for me. And then I stuck with Tampa Bay like you did. So those were my three wins. And uh, on we go into this weekend, and I think there's some tremendous football. There's there's three very good football games. One I'm not particularly interested in, but there's three good games. All right. So let me run you through them. Let me run you through them. All right. So first game, uh, Bengals-Titans. That is 3.30 p.m. on Saturday. The Titans are the number one seed, and they are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Who do you like in Titans-Bengals? I like the Titans. Uh, I, I haven't paid a lot of attention to the Titans this year. It's the one game out of all the games I don't have a particular amount of interest in. Uh but uh, I think the Titans have a great team. I think they get they should handle this game pretty easily, as far as I feel. I love Cincinnati's offense. I love Joe Burrow. I love Jamar Chase. I love T. Wiggins or T. Higgins. I, I love all these guys. Um, but the Titans are the number one seed. Derrick Henry is going to be back. Uh, the Titans are very healthy. They're at home. They're giving three and a half, which in this game to me, that's a big difference between three. But I am still going to go with the Titans. I would not be surprised if Cincinnati wins this game, although they did almost lose to the Raiders last week. But I'm going with the Titans, and I feel bad because I'm, I kind of like the Bengals. All right. 
So next game, and I think this is a fantastic game, and I'll make my pick first, and then we'll go to you second. Uh, 49ers, Packers at Lambeau. Uh, the Packers are a six-point favorite. It's a fairly big number. Um, Garoppolo evidently has some sort of shoulder sprain, but he's always got some kind of injury, and evidently he is going to play. Um, the Packers are actually now one of the healthiest teams in the playoffs. They've gotten a lot of guys back. Um, and, you know, I think the Packers inevitably are making it to the Super Bowl this year. So um, I am taking the Packers and giving the six. What do you got on well, that game? I, you know, I think I, I like Frisco. I'd like to see Frisco pull this one out, but I think they got a mountain to climb there. Uh, you know, this game started at four and a half. You know, a few days ago, it quickly went to six because of the amount of money I think going the Packers' way. So I don't think it went to six because they thought all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers got better in the last two days. So at four and a half, it was a little bit closer game than. I think the six looks. I think the six is starting to look a little ridiculous. But I, I do think the uh, the injuries on Frisco's side, I think, are going to show up. And I think playing Aaron Rodgers at home is a, is a mountain you got to climb. Uh, so I, I definitely think the Packers are going to pull us out. And you're giving the Correct. six on that. All right, let's go to Rams-Bucks. And, you know, I was very, very impressed by the Rams the other night. Um, they They looked very dominant and I wasn't all that confident in them their defense looked great their pass rush looked really good Von Miller started to get it going um, they got the three-headed monster pass rush that offense looked pretty good um, Odell Beckham um, has started doing something so they are at Tampa Bay Tampa Bay is a two and a half point favorite so fairly uh, narrow number and I'm just telling you the Bucks are the Bucks still have a lot of weapons, but the Bucks are injured, and I'm just not feeling it for Tampa Bay right now. And I'm just gonna take the two and a half and take the Rams and hope for the best. And I actually feel really good about it. Who do you have filling Rams uh, Bucks? Definitely I think the Rams uh I think their time has come. I think Stafford's time has come. Uh Cooper Cup, what what more can you say about that guy as a receiver? And then OBJ, like you said, comes finally coming around and being a team player and making some phenomenal contributions. I think uh, L.A. Has, uh, has a chance of really putting a beat down on Tampa. I really do. And when you made that statement earlier that the Packers are going to the uh, Super Bowl, I would love to see an L.A. Packer matchup, and I think L.A. will give the Packers all they can handle. Well, that is, uh, you know, that is interesting. I do think that the uh well that would be obviously be in the championship game so that would be really interesting i i agree with you although the the weather would be you know a bit of a change for for the rams but uh yeah i agree that that would be a hell of a matchup and i feel pretty good about the rams here i may feel more confident about the rams than i do about the packers even though it's six all right, let's go to what I believe is probably the game of the week which is Bills Chiefs. Um Kansas City's at home. They are giving only two, which is kind of interesting. They obviously looked really good last week, but you know, they're playing Pittsburgh, so I don't know what you can really gain from that. Pittsburgh's offense is just absolutely terrible. Buffalo right now is on fire on offense. They are on fire on defense. And I am very perplexed in this game, but I think I'm just going to take the two and go with the Bills here. Neither It, it wouldn't surprise me either way, obviously, but I think I'm just going to go with the two. And I've gotten burned betting against the Chiefs a number of times, but I'm going to give it a shot one more time. Who do you have, I'm Bills Chiefs? I'm this one, too. I said in the middle of the year, I said the two teams that I liked in the middle of the season that I liked the way they were projecting was, uh, was definitely L.A. and uh, Buffalo. And boy, oh boy, if we could see those stars line up in a Super Bowl, I think it would be a great game. So I'm all in on Buffalo. All right, well, there you have it. So uh, I will put the picks up on Friday night on Twitter at Cigars and Sports, just so we have um, documentation and accountability um, for what our picks are. Obviously, these games get difficult, more difficult as time goes on, but I'm feeling pretty good about it now. We'll see how the injuries play out. Sort of interesting, Phil, how there's no longer any COVID in the NFL since they stopped testing. Well, Isn't that I think interesting? It's, it's very interesting. I don't. I think COVID uh, is definitely going to stay gone from the NFL, <laughs> at least until the Super Bowl's over. Well, I mean, 
there there probably are about 80% of the guys on the field at any given time that have covid but i guess when you uh when you don't test you aren't going to know and frankly my number one priority is to be entertained so i really don't care um what happens i w- i do not wish bad health upon anybody but more importantly than that i want a good game just kidding but not really okay so let's uh let's finish things up here with just a couple of minutes on the Lost four in a row, Chicago Bulls. They play Cleveland tonight. Lonzo Ball is still out. Zach Levine is still out. And by the way, they will likely both be out um, tomorrow night against Milwaukee as well, which really stinks. Stinks for me because I'm going and it just stinks because this is a very, very difficult back-to-back coming off of four losses. They've, they've had a really difficult stretch here against good teams. They still are number one in the conference. Um, they've lost the Nets, Warriors, Grizzlies, and Celtics over the last four games. And God help us, um, you know, we've got to at least split these next two. It's a long season. They're still in first place in the in the Eastern Conference. There's still plenty of time. There's time to get healthy. The All-Star break is coming to get healthy, so I'm not freaking out. But they're clearly in a bad stretch right now. Thoughts on the on the Bulls now that you're a hater since they lost well, a couple yeah, of games, I, Phil? Well, I actually you know, do go about you whether they are contenders or pretenders. But, yeah, the Bulls have been bitten by the injury bug. Certainly Caruso not being in there. He's a stalwart on defense. He brings a great spark to that team. Haven't you and he is playing tonight, limited minutes. Right. But I, I didn't. I neglected to mention that well, he is I, playing I also tonight. Yes, it's right. interesting. I believe tonight's game earlier at least was off the board, so I don't even know what this game's going out on the gambling side. Uh, how this game's going off uh, tonight? But anyways, uh, you know, back to the injuries. You know, you got Javante Green and Ball. You got a lot of key players that have been hurt, so I definitely give the Bulls a little break there. But the, this season is going to start getting interesting for them, that's for sure. The Bulls tonight are a three and a half point dog at home. Um, I have not bet a lot of NBA games the last couple of weeks, but I think I'm going to stay away from this game because the thing that is concerning about Cleveland is they're a bad matchup because they're a very big team, and the Bulls, from a size standpoint, are not a big team. So that worries me a little bit as well. Um, but, you know, we'll uh, we'll hope for the best, and I'm sure the Bulls will get better. And by the way, we're going to have a lot more time to go into detail on the Bulls, you know, uh, hopefully on, on baseball if it ever comes back and on a lot of other subjects once we get through the NFL season and once the Bears make their bad hires at coach and general manager. Just kidding. Like I said, I'm not going negative until we know. Phil, uh, that's it for this week. Great. Good show, Steve. Good seeing you. Can't wait till these playoff games this weekend. We'll have a lot to talk about next week. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. Well, that is episode eight, Cigars and Sports Chicago. We appreciate you being with us. Thank you very much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Cigars and Sports. It's been fantastic. Thank you very much, our producer, Bear. And we will talk to everybody next week. We'll be back. Bye. So might be down by the river. come up soon for dare. Sweet blossom, come on under the willow. We can have high times if you look back. We can discover the wonders of nature growing in the brushes down by the riverside.